Hi, so I'm here with Aaron Barnaby. And we decided we were going to talk about oneness and what it is. How are you going, Aaron? I'm very well. I'm very excited about this discussion with you. This is one of my oh, yes. subjects. Why is it why is it your favorite subject? Or you're one of yours? <laughs> um why is it okay. The reason that it is one of my favorite subjects, and in fact one of my favorite things in all of existence, is because mm. I consider oneness to be the ultimate reality. Uh, so I perceive, uh, so as a, as a clairvoyant person, as a supersensory person, I perceive all existence and all life to occur across a frequency band, like a, like radio station, like a radio station. And the ultimate highest frequency is that of oneness. So right. that frequency is, is present and similar in all frequency bands and on all of those radio channels, but it's the ultimate one. So this is the ultimate one and it also kind of influences all the rest of them. Yes. Okay. I think I like it because it makes me happy. <laughs> At, at essence, that's that's all it's about. Yeah, but I I think that it also makes other people happy, and that I've observed that oneness is important not just for me, but for for everybody. It's something that really works for people, mm -hmm. and it works for people on a personal level and happiness. It works for people in relationships. It works for people in solving problems in the world. Yeah. It, it works. So, so I like it because it makes me happy and I also like it because it's really, really, really effective and practical. So sometimes we think of spirituality as being a kind of impractical, uh, what's really the point? But I think that oneness is supremely practical and useful in all areas of life. Mm, mm, me too, me too. And you know, I really like what you were saying about um, oneness works. It works in all areas, and this is one of the fascinating uh, things about oneness is it, it really does work. And if we look at why it works, then we can see that when, when oneness is applied or is recognised in each area of life, it automatically levels the playing field. It removes things like hierarchical structures, it removes things like caste system. It removes scales of importance and authority. And um, it removes uh, one religion over another type fights and disagreements. And in fact, it appears to give everyone a place at the table. For the discussion mm. or for the resolution or for the event but it, it recognizes every part including and this is interesting because this is somewhat different to modern 
new age spirituality that seems to be very much focused on only encompassing the positive and the good feeling things with oneness there's actually a place at the table for 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 bad feelings for trauma for negativity and it is equally um heard in a discussion that is rooted in the energy of oneness it has a place at that table it doesn't dominate it but it's recognized there a question that i'm often asked is if if everything is one uh why does it matter it's like we're already in oneness aren't we we're already part of the one <laughs> Yes, the endless meditation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for me, it matters enormously. It matters. In, it's so important to to experience this state of connection with all things, yeah. uh, and that it's very different to the state of not being really, not really experiencing it. Uh, not that it changes the reality of the universe, but it changes my experience of that reality enormously. Yes, me too. I definitely have that experience of oneness where it's not a fixed relationship. It seems to be constantly evolving and mm. deepening. And um, it, it's, it, it's not an outward directed relationship. It seems to be a relationship that's internal. Um, it's almost like having a relationship with myself <laughs> because uh, I am forced to recognize that I am part of the whole. Uh -huh. So for me to connect in oneness, I have to recognize myself as part of it. You know, it's the ultimate ego buster. <laughs> and what happens to your individuality? Do you feel like you have to give up on your no, no, because oneness encompasses everything, right? So if oneness does truly encompass everything, then the state of separation, which is uh, my understanding of the state of separation, is the state of individuality, um, is has to be included in that oneness so yeah. it, there has to be that available in there in the experience of oneness itself it's the experience of I... identity the experience of being separate from others the experience of boundaries having an ego no i actually feel like the experience of connection with all uh, makes my individuality stronger I don't feel like I'm giving up on being who I am. I feel like I'm discovering who I am and I'm really becoming that who I am and I'm becoming more eccentric and and uh, confident in being that eccentric, different kind of person I am. So in some way, yeah. oneness is the connection with everything and being really being together with everything, but it's also actually being more different and more more separate. So it's like it goes both ways and it's always difficult to describe <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's interesting um something i think about quite frequently is um i came across a piece of information and um 
it, it so it was referring to the Buddhist information, um, the, uh, the 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 process that is often recommended in Buddhist meditation, which is to um, disidentify with objects and um, mm. have no attachment to the to the physical world, and in this, this article that I came into contact with, it was explained that this information came to the human consciousness too early. And the reason being is that it's actually a the step after identifying with the world is the step of disidentifying with the world. And mm-hmm. so... The suggestion in this article was really interesting because it was actually talking about how the New Age approach of following the Buddhist tradition, which is to not have any attachments in the physical world, was actually a misconception and is actually the stage ahead of where where we are at and that where we are, we as human consciousness is really at is... um, in a process of um, coming to love the singular identity (laughs) and coming to identify with the physical world and with the separations that occur there and to to sit in a place of acceptance with them. And then then after that has occurred within the, the consciousness of the individual to then separate from that the attachment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I really, um, for me as a uh, as a clairvoyant person, I, I've seen many of my past lives, and and I spent many many lives as a monk studying Buddhism. And people often ask me how I can be so grounded and yet be able to see through realities. And I have wondered about how this can be possible as well um, over the years. And I think what, I, what I've come to understand is that once, once one uh, allows the ego to be um, solidified and, to, and accepts that... Um, they are in the physical reality and it is good and I am here and this is me and this is my name and, and really allows themselves to drop in to, a, to an acceptance of, of that individuality and to then take that off and to let that go um, really is such a hugely rich journey of soul development that, that it allows you to be firmly rooted in the world while also be firmly um, able to traverse in the unseen worlds. I wonder if there's a couple of stages after this, uh, dis, what do we call it? Dis, uh, well, I call it disidentification. Dis- disidentification <laughs> or detachment is one of the traditional terms. Um, in, in yoga philosophy, there are a series of levels of the mind. 
layers of the mind. They say the banana, what is it? The the mind, not the banana. The mind is <laughs> layered. <laughs> layered. No, the reason I say banana is because it's in the, in the phrase. The mind has layers like a banana flower. A banana flower is a bit like an onion, so it's a more pretty way of saying it's layered like an onion. Oh, okay, yes. Um, so the early layers, uh, layers of instinct and layers of emotionality, sentiment, and logic, and we get to the rational mind. And then beyond the rational mind, there's a couple more layers. So the first layer beyond the rational mind is the creative, insightful mind, which is very much about personal, uh, personal expression. It's finding yourself. And then there is the layer of peace, inner peace, where you find detachment and discrimination. Detachment being, I don't need to stress about that thing. I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to hold on to it. I can be non-attached. Um, and discrimination being, I know what's important for me and what's not important for me, and so I can let go of the things that are less important and hold on to the things that are important. Yeah. Uh, so it creates a very peaceful kind of state. But then there are still further layers of the mind beyond that. The next one is the layer of love. When, and this is where people get ecstatic experiences, experiences of the love of the universe and and they uh, sometimes dance in, in ecstasy and you know the Hare Krishna's dancing down the streets in, in ecstasy mm -hmm. and being a little bit crazy and nobody really and, and they don't care what anybody thinks of them because they're too busy experiencing this amazing experience of, of the universe you know mm -hmm. um and beyond that ecstatic experience is where the experience of oneness is, which is the, the mind that connects with everything. And it's less ecstatic, less amazing, less intense, because it's more normal. It's more something that shines through all of your life rather than something that gives you a, uh, an amazing experience for that moment. Okay. So... My point being, the, if this detachment is part of this inner peace layer of the mind, then that's something that's a, a good step, but there's a couple more steps you can take beyond that. Right. <laughs> I'm just trying to conceive of that. So are you so you're speaking about steps after the steps after bodhisattva realization no i think oneness is bodhisattva realization oneness is okay. is i am one with all things and my my happiness depends on the happiness of others and others happiness depends on my happiness and and what can i do to be happy and enjoy myself in the world but look after others and so i devote my life to service um, i think it really comes out of oneness but I think that uh, some of the some of the conceptions that come out of the Buddhist tradition are not necessarily the deepest teachings of Buddhism, but the, mm. some of the popular ideas that come out of it, yeah. uh, really glorifying this state of detachment where you are not not holding on to anything, yeah. where this is actually only part of the journey, and 
at some stage we we discover what is important to hold on to and we hold on to that and maybe that thing is a little less tangible it's not holding on to my money or my house but it's holding on to my values and my my uh, self-expression and the things that are more core deeper aspects of our souls mm. so alexander what in your opinion is some of the most challenging aspects of oneness in this particular day and age like we're all whether you're listening close to when mm. the recording was made or whether you're listening in a few years time or decades time um everyone knows and is well aware of or will be aware of the events of 2020 and the corona lockdowns and um, all of the crazy stuff that's been coming out in the media or not coming out in the media or, you know, um, whole countries going back into lockdown after coming out of it. And, you know, so in your opinion, what are some of the most challenging aspects of oneness to our current society, to the current state of society that we're in? Um. I don't think it's challenging at all. I think this is a very uh, good uh, opportunity for oneness. If you're stuck at home and you can't do anything, what do you have to do but meditate, you know? And yeah. and if you want to make a difference in the world now with all of these obstacles, then you really want to learn how to do it in a way that can get around obstacles and deal with all of these these challenges, and that requires the the kind of deeper perception that oneness gives. I, I think this is really a um, a great boost to to people's interest in in oneness, and also if you talk about the disconnection that people are having from each other, the, the loneliness, yeah. Yeah. this 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 drive for connection. Exactly. It's, it's totally something that can kind of move us in this direction. The only, the only answer is oneness. Yeah. Are you lonely? Come, come hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of us come hang out with, with the the all, the one. All, <laughs> all of us. Um, it and it does make it harder to create group practices. So it's harder to, to go to a, a group and do your singing together or your yoga together or whatever it is that you like to do. And that can make it harder to remain inspired when you don't have the support of others around you so much. Mm. Sangha, you know. Mind you, you know, just the other night I, um, I started uh, doing darshan with um, uh, a beautiful guru called um, uh, Swami Vishwananda and mm -hmm. he's in Germany and he was running these events on Zoom and like about 700 people across the globe are showing up for Darshan with him and, and, and it just keeps flicking through the screen, <laughs> you know, and it's just like all these people 
so many people, you know, connecting and talking in all of the languages. It was so amazing. Such a big event, you know, and uh, yet totally online and totally about yeah. love. <laughs> yeah, well, we managed to do it online, but it's so much harder. The personal connection makes it a lot easier. I, I'm lucky to be living in rural Portugal where the coronavirus barely hit at all. I think we had five cases at our, at our maximum. Yeah. And, and so we, although we're not going inside and having gatherings inside, people are meeting outside and, and, and kind of life goes on in a fairly normal way. Yeah, same here in West Australia. You know, events have resumed. It's it's barely a thing anymore. We have to stand apart in the shops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, many, many people are, are still very much in lockdown and um, many people are feeling the effects of loneliness and um, having to face their, their own personal... Um, well, so I suppose some of them would say demons, um, yeah. on their own, in their own home. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I do the work that I do, um, trying to promote oneness and the awareness of its existence. Um, and essentially because I see it really having no boundary at all as well uh, in regard to what religion you practice or what spiritual perspective you have. I suppose if you were atheist, you maybe wouldn't be interested, but um, I don't see any reason why any other uh, school of belief or system of belief would be offended by oneness. And so it makes it so beautifully accessible for anyone at any stage of their development from any background with any belief to be able to meditate on oneness or sit with oneness or pray in oneness. Um, So it can be worked with in so many different ways and engaged with in so many different areas um, without offending anyone's religious belief. Mm-hmm. I do know of some religions that very consciously choose not to go to oneness. Really? Um, uh, yeah, the Hare Krishnas are one example. They they actually have in their text the, the, the idea that one can meet with the divine, meet with God, and become one with God. This is part of the Hindu tradition. And they say, we choose not to do this. We choose to stay one step away from God and serving God and loving God and mm-hmm. stay in that state of, of loving ecstasy because this is what we, we enjoy. Yeah. Uh, but that means that oneness is not offensive to them. It is simply another path. Mm-hmm. It's a choice that they, they don't make. And I think that's that's important. It's important in our oneness to be able to also allow them to make that choice that we do not mm. want to go there. But I think people yeah. should have 
an, an educated choice. They should know what they are choosing rather than at the moment it seems like people choose a, a spiritual path because this is what is available to them or what they were interested in on some very superficial level. And the, the choice of how deep we take it is, is not necessarily given to people. Mm. I find it uh, quite interesting um, how the Christian religions, of which there are many, um, mm -hmm. some of I, I can see some of them shying away from from concepts of oneness. But ultimately, if you take a survey of both the, um, you know, even like the more modern Christian beliefs, and then the the older Christian beliefs, and then the hidden esoteric. Um, schools of, of ancient Christian practices. If you take mm -hmm. a survey of their perspectives, in fact, oneness is embedded in, in there so perfectly. Uh, many of um, Jesus' statements and, and, and things that he's um, conveyed to, to his disciples seem to indicate that he was interested in oneness. Yeah, I think that uh, all of the great spiritual teachers have been deeply interested in oneness, and I see that that theme in all traditions. But I mm -hmm. think that uh, many of the followers have been less interested, and many of the traditions have not maintained that that uh, core as strong. And I think that's a real issue. Not because it's wrong for people to explore other things and, and to choose not to be in oneness, but it's wrong for a tradition to not give us that option. So I've, I've been to a lot of churches and meditations and places where I feel like there isn't space for a true expression of oneness, where if you're not uh, experiencing God outside yourself or you're not completely detached from the world or something some other aspect of a different layer of our mind mm -hmm. if we're not fully in that other layer of mind then there's something wrong with us and so oneness actually becomes something that is that doesn't fit uh, so so I think it's very important that we have traditions that can contain and allow people to develop all the way to oneness and allow other people who don't want to take all of that effort and go that far to not have to develop all the way to oneness. I think I think we need to make space for that whole whole spectrum. And as long as we're limiting the spectrum, then then we're really limiting the health and vitality of society. Yeah, beautiful. You know, it, it's interesting because um, we can we can look at what oneness includes or excludes. Right, so we can actually go. Well, um, oneness is not da 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 da. Like, or I could say, or Christianity does not include da 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 da, or mm. does not include this. Um, and 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 this is why oneness is not a religion. In fact, it's it's a uh, it's an energy that moves th through everything. Mm. Um, but it, it could not be called a religion because, in fact you can only really talk about oneness as including everything. And that's yeah. why it is not a religion. It, it, it includes all religions. 
all of them, even the ones that don't agree with them. <laughs> even the ones that it's, yeah. <laughs> and, even the and ones I don't like. Them all. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the one of the interesting things is when I look into places where I can really experience that that sense of connection, that sense of oneness, I find it easier to find in uh, traditional culture and and folk culture than I do in wow. religion. So it's fairly like, for example, Irish music. The sense of connection in Irish music is really strong. Yeah. And and there's very little sense of uh, people disconnected and not giving space for that true human connection, etc. There is a lot of real openness for all aspects of, of our human experience. Yes. And I find the same, yeah, I talk about Irish music because Irish music is, is very popular and well-known around the world at the moment. But I find the same in all of the traditional cultures, the yeah. folk dances, the folk music, the, the clothing, the traditional clothes that people wear, it all expresses something that really has space for all people at the same time as bringing people together. And so so that's, firstly, it's interesting that you find it there. And, the, and the, secondly, it's an interesting question, why? Why is it that there is so much of this deep connection in folk culture, which is is a, a very uncontrolled, um, uh, it's not a, an expression that has the purpose of creating oneness. It's an expression that just happens. Yeah. Well, it's the living social construction, right? It's the, yeah. the traditional basis of culture before there was anyone trying to control or mass control a culture. Hmm. And so I think that it means that people naturally experience and express oneness if you don't get in their way. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, if we could just allow people the space to be themselves, then they would be naturally expressing this kind of Yeah, and that's really interesting when you refer back to what we were just talking about, about how oneness both highlights the individuality, celebrates it, and annihilates it <laughs> because and, and and in fact um, that uh, not trying to control and not trying to guide the development of that socially constructed matter in in folk culture is um, is interesting because it reminds me of um, the developments in science that have uh, come out in the last few years um, proving that um, an experiment that is watched by the scientist doing the experiment will yield different results. Yeah, and some experiments are impossible to do because as soon as you watch them, they change the results. Yeah. It's very problematic. Yeah, that's very interesting in the in the subject of folk culture and the construction of of, of that living culture of you know, humankind. I have a friend in Australia, Aitan, uh, who has a theory of what our problems are individually and in society. 
which okay. is very related to this this folk culture thing. He says, we we have been taught that there's a boss, there's somebody in charge, and there's a boss, and you have to do what the boss says. This by itself is not a big problem, but when you internalize this and you make part of your own mind a boss that tells other parts of you what to do, then you're in trouble. <laughs> and and this is what what we do a lot of the time. We are going, no, no, I shouldn't behave like that. No, I, I need to be more kind to people. I need to stop worrying about this. I am criticizing myself and telling myself what I need to do. Some, some part of me becomes a boss inside. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, so the liberation from this boss, you can't actually just get rid of the boss because that's just you being more bossy to yourself. No, I'm not going to boss myself. Stop bossing myself. <laughs> right? But what you can do is you can stop taking the boss so seriously. The boss tells you, right, I need to be more kind and more generous here. And you go, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that reminds you can, yes, Yeah, sorry, carry on, you finish. And so if you can come to that point of realizing that this boss, you don't have to take this boss so seriously and liberate yourself a bit from the boss, then, then you become a natural human being. You become somebody who can just... Uh, behave and experience life in whatever way comes out naturally at the time. Mm -hmm. And what happens in communities then is you have the idea, the, the sense that you cannot force anyone to do anything because why would you want to do that? You, you're just being the boss again. Yeah. And, and you cannot expect anyone to do what you want them to do. And so there's no power over, there's no force. Everybody is free to do their own thing. But when given freedom, what do people like to do? In freedom, the main thing that gives people happiness, that, that people find really satisfying, is to cooperate. They really like to do things together. <laughs> so you give a lot of freedom, you find that freedom in yourself, you get rid of this sense of the boss, or at least you don't take the boss so seriously, you end up wanting to share and collaborate and do things together. And so a kind of a uh, pattern emerges where people are very helpful and very kind and very generous, but it doesn't come out of any, of any sense of obligation. It just comes out of a sense of this is what we like to do. <laughs> yeah, and when and when I and when I look back on a memory of watching an Irish band play, that's exactly what it looks like. They're just isn't it? They're, isn't you know, it? they're just sort of all wander up and meander in, and then you know halfway through the set, someone else will come in with another violin and. And it's it, it's constructed organically. There's a there's actually a town in Ireland, a festival that this Aitam told me about, where the whole music festival is organised like this. Mm -hmm. The whole music festival, they have a kind of set list of what's supposed to be happening, which is like one A4 piece of paper with some pencil writing on it, <laughs> and <laughs> and yeah. everybody ignores it. The only thing that actually happens on time is the, is the dancing, the folk dancing they like to do on time. But the, all of the music is just like every pub in the town is full of amazing, famous musicians playing together and just mucking around and playing whatever song they feel like at the time. Wonderful. And so you just, if you don't like this particular group of musicians, you go down to the next pub and there's another group of musicians doing other amazing things. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and 
there's no need to organize it because when when you get a bunch of folk musicians together what do they do they play yeah and they make great music yeah. yeah 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 it's it's interesting isn't it um the that organic construction of music in a group which mm. I, I don't know about anyone else but i always called it jamming where there was no song there was no jukebox function available <laughs> and but the interesting thing is that in folk music there is a song and there is a jukebox function true true but it's like so the jamming has gone on for so long that it's evolved into a structure into a form <laughs> where they can actually repeat it where everyone falls into a song that everyone knows yeah 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 and that you know you can see that in in the pubs in Ireland when you walk mm. in and and they'll just be sort of playing a, a diddly 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 and then one of the musicians will go ah da da and it, something else will begin. <laughs> mm. There's and no they all know it and they all yeah. join in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um certainly interesting to gaze upon folk culture and that uh, construction of society in a natural way. And you know, in terms of oneness in the current age, I really feel like it's a it's a very interesting and the perfect time for oneness to get more of a showcase and to get more airtime and more meditation time um, because we do have all of this time on our hands and I know that a lot of people are really feeling very isolated right now um, and a lot of people turn on their televisions or their radios in order to feel less isolated and mm. so something that I find occurring in my work is that a lot of people that I am having approach me at this time are uh, quite anxious about the future and potential realities coming to fruition and, um, you know, how their children's children's children are going to be able to live on this planet and, and these sorts of very primal concerns that... Um, for someone who's on a spiritual path, they can be very distracting and very okay. quieting in the soul. Can you talk a little bit more about how you deal with that sort of concern in your clients um, and, and its relationship to oneness? Worry. I worry about the future. Yeah. But we all have issues that we worry about. And I worry too. And it really gets in the way of a lot of authentic expression. Authentic expression of oneness, I don't think, comes out of worry. I think it comes out of flow. And when we're in flow, we can't worry because yeah. we're too busy enjoying ourselves. Yeah. 
kind of timeless experience. So when you're in that timeless experience, there is no no worry. But I think it's very easy to worry when you're doing something stressful, when you're approaching life in a way that is kind of difficult for you. Then your mind kind of gets stuck on all of the issues and stresses. So for me, it's planning. If I try to plan things, I tend to get really stressed and worried and not make very good plans. Um, so I kind of consciously don't plan and just get on with improvising and seeing what happens. And I tend to do a better job and be less stressed and less worried because that's where my flow is. That's what I enjoy. That's where my, my natural spirit shines. So I think that if we can find the areas where our spirit shines, the areas of flow, then maybe the, net, the worry will look after itself to some extent and we don't really have to, have to deal with it as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I often find myself um, talking to my clients about... Um, coming into alignment with, um, with their highest excitement mm -hmm. and how to actually practically do that. <laughs> and it, because it can sound like some crazy wish-washy thing, but it's actually very practical. It's a decision-making tool that allows you to recognize and then choose consciously the option, whether it be toast, cereal, or a smoothie, um, or, you know, three different career options. Like it can be a small decision-making process or, or, a, or a huge one. And it's about feeling how each option feels to you and using excitement as your barometer for staying in alignment with, with goodness, with, with, um, with the healthiness um, yeah, excitement and also relaxation. It's at the same time, yeah? yeah. Excited and relaxed. Yeah. Um, another another thing to that that gets bandied about is that it's uh, there are two emotions, love versus fear. Yeah. And this is absolutely true and completely misleading because <laughs> this love and fear oh, that we are talking about is completely different to the ordinary thing we call love and completely different to the ordinary thing we call fear. <laughs> totally yeah. But it is it is a good it is kind of what we're talking about here. If you're mm. in flow, this is the love experience, the, the experience of joy and peace and relaxation and, and excitement. Mm. Um, I would perhaps be better to call it open versus closed. So this is the opening experience. And mm. the worry the stress, this is the closed experience. So if we can find the way to open, the experience that opens us, then we can jump into the things that are more fun and also that we're more effective at. You know, yeah. I, I talk about how I don't plan. It's not just that planning is stressful for me and it would be good if I could plan. You know what? Planning isn't very useful when I do it. It doesn't work. So... Better get on with things that do work, yeah. and, and uh, performing and improvising, talking to people. These are things that actually create more effect in my life, more make more of a difference. And so, mm. not only is it 
is it more fun to move into your flow? It's also much more effective. Yeah. Um, path of least resistance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, a for a long time now, I've uh, begun to suspect that it's not love and fear, it's love and hate. And the reason that I've come to agree with with that as the binary that exists for me, <laughs> it can be different mm -hmm. for anyone, um, but uh, in my journey of uh, self-exploration, um, I have come to realise that there were certain things that I very deeply hated about myself and then there were some things that I desperately loved about myself and when I came to um, look at myself, I realised that that was the binary that I was judging myself on. It was like this embracing the parts of me that I liked and totally rejecting the parts of me that I didn't, which, which by the way, does not create oneness within myself. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that, that's a, it's a very interesting journey. And I, I think that um, anyone listening to this is uh, probably in some phase of, um, of that, of uh, loving certain things about themselves and then really, really not enjoying other things about themselves. And yeah, yeah. Um, I just would like to speak a little bit about how that process of discernment and um, identification and acceptance and rejection is all part of the process of, of stepping into oneness and into that unified um, energy uh, that can be felt within and also in the greater world around you. And... Um, so I mentioned in that list of, of things there that rejection was in that list. And I'd actually like to talk about that a little bit and give some more clarity on that in that rejection, when you push something away, it, because all things are rooted in oneness, if you push something away and reject it, it will fight to return back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in uh, in yeah. ancient Rome, they had a saying: if you lock nature out the wind out the door, if you not lock nature out the door, then she will come in the window with a pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, in the context of shadow work, which is what I'm actually referring to, the processes here is this light this up of light and dark within oneself um in that process of shadow work it's exactly like that if you fragment those parts off from yourself and you reject that and you hate it and you say that's not me that's not who i am i don't do that i don't do that. i'm not afraid i i'm afraid and i'm going to just reject the part of me that is afraid then you're actually creating a situation where that fragment is going to stomp through the window with a pitchfork. Yes. When it's completely exactly. unnecessary. 
because when the, when you recognize that the primary um, energy of all things in this universe is oneness, then um, you can understand and slow the separating and the fragmenting out that you're doing by rejecting the parts of yourself that you don't like or rejecting the parts of the world that you don't like. I have a, a funny, funny story that happened to me. I was yeah. rejecting part of myself by, I was really self-critical. I was like, I kept looking at myself and going, no, that's not good enough. You should do better. And I was, then I was looking at my, my own criticism and going, you know, wow, I, I'm really, I'm so self-critical. It's so judgmental of myself. I have this enormous high expectations of myself. Maybe I should relax and, and not judge myself so harshly. But I couldn't do it. It was just like <laughs> kind of trying to tie myself into a knot to, to accept myself. So I, I spoke to one of my friends and told them this is what I'm working with and, you know, can I be a little bit more or less judgmental? And she said, so you're going to try and be more judgmental as a joke. And I was like, that's a really weird and interesting idea. Let's try it. So I did. I tried to be really, really judgmental on myself. And it was so <laughs> relaxing. Because you became relaxed. Because at least there's only one level of judgment now. I'm not judging myself for being judge judgmental. At least I'm only judging myself once. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I found myself... Oh my gosh, I found myself uh, channeling one day in a session and this woman's, this woman's guides were saying to her to um, stop resisting the resistance. So she was in resistance to something and before we could deal with that and clear that, she had to stop resisting being in resistance yes so she was double resisting and she was looking at me like i was crazy mind you we were we were in a teepee and i was channeling so yeah, yeah. it was yeah, a bit well, crazy did look a bit but, crazy yeah. <laughs> but um it, it was so it was such a mind boggling concept and yet perfect no. Oh, you want to clear this resistance? Okay. Well, how about we first start by um, clearing the resistance to this to having resistance, mm -hmm. and then we can move. Yeah. There's one one very simple uh, affirmation technique that I've come across that's quite good for all of this, which is to tell yourself exactly the opposite of whatever you think. So if you are saying to yourself, no, no, I'm not in resistance, then you should say to yourself, I'm in resistance. Oh, yes. And if you say to yourself, I'm okay, I'm okay, then you go, no. You have to say to yourself, I'm not okay, I'm not okay. <laughs> but if you are saying to yourself, I'm not okay, then you need to say to yourself, I am okay. So the logic of this is that we're not looking for a positive state of mind, we're looking for an empty state of mind, a state of mind where the, the mind is open to possibilities. Oh, and yeah. so whatever belief or idea you have that's being held very strongly, inserting the exact opposite creates the, the blankness, the emptiness. 
<laughs> so it's it's going oh there's a wall oh no i'll make another wall oh no all the walls have gone yeah exactly yeah. i'll make an opposite wall and suddenly the walls disappear because they cancel each other out. yeah yeah that's great that's great so okay so in summary we have attempted to um develop to do the impossible a... to define oneness which is impossible <laughs> and we have created a living breathing body of knowledge around and within this concept this idea this reality this dream this origin point this yeah it's a living point. living breathing living and breathing like a cat yeah so if you yeah. chase after it it will run away and maybe when you ignore it and don't want it it will come and sit in your lap and when you're working on it <laughs> And you'll be allowed Sit to in front of the computer so they can't read the screens. And sometimes you might be allowed to pat it. Yeah, I think it's very much like yeah. that kind of living, breathing creature. And you know, I think what what comes out of this most profoundly for me, like we've managed to touch on some very serious subjects, and we've managed to touch on some very playful subjects. But hmm. ultimately, I think what we keep returning to is that oneness feels like fun. Hmm. It feels like connection. And it removes all of the obstacles to connection. And it removes all of the insecurities and um, negative self-concepts that get in the way of feeling a sense of belonging. And in a time and place and an age where a lot of people are feeling lonely, a lot of people are feeling separated, a lot of people are feeling isolated and a lot of people are in fact isolated in their living arrangements. Oneness is a beautiful discovery of our own origins and uh, can give us a goal for meditation, a goal for focusing in on something that is wild and harmonious and free and everlasting and eternal and does not conflict with any other teaching. So does that mean if you're not having fun, then you're doing something wrong? <laughs> well, it wouldn't be very inclusive. No, it wouldn't, would it? <laughs> <laughs> But um, I would I would venture to say that um, when the vibes are high, it it's indicating that things are in alignment, and that the energies are are uh, well even even when they're not super positive, when they're really vibing and they feel really intense. That's when I always know that there's something going on. There's something really deep and mysterious and powerful occurring that I should be paying attention to. Even if I'm not grinning, you know, I'll, I can still sometimes have an ecstatic type energy experience in a very quiet study group that's reading a certain text, you know, 
Um, so it's not necessarily all jumping about and giggling, but but just really settling into a really enjoyed enjoyment state. Yes. Uh, relaxing. And I think that the subject of relaxation is very important, actually. We didn't really... So I reckon what we need to do is to come back to this uh, for a next conversation, which is, okay, now we have an idea what oneness is, uh, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. How, we, how can we get there? What, what's the practical steps? Yeah. I think that's the next conversation. Yeah. I have a lot of meditations and... Uh, focal points to share on that matter. <laughs> oh, there's uh, thousands of meditations and possibilities, and we yeah. should share some of them, but we should also try to pinpoint what are the principles behind those meditations. Oh, yes, okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, wonderful talking to you. Let's, uh, let's catch up soon for the next installment. Yes. It's a pleasure to discuss the subject with you, Alexander. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye for now. Okay, bye.